1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. At the end of the show yesterday, uh... The unfortunate news of Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach's passing came over the transom. We actually uh, talked about it briefly with uh, John Holosek, the uh, coach, football coach, state uh, champion football coach from Loyola Academy, who we spoke with at the end of the show. And just thinking about uh, what's going on in our schools and thinking about the role coaches play, including coaches like Amy. Uh Maybe the last bastion of adult leadership, stewardship, and judgment in pre-K through post-secondary education. For example, Deion Sanders. We talked about last week because of the criticism he's receiving for (laughs) taking the bigger, better uh, college football job at Colorado.
2: How dare he further his career, do what the white man has been doing their entire lives? And women, too.
0: Do what every man has been doing. Do what every person does, (laughs) try to further their career, um, Uh. take the bigger, better deal after a successful three-year run at Jackson State where they won two conference championships. But here's Dion's You know, Dion was prime time, and he was this flashy character. He was also a great football player and a pretty decent baseball player, too. Um,
2: but he grew up into it as a man, I think, as a coach. The,
0: the, this is, you know, turning around Jackson State, the impact he was going to have on historically black colleges like Jackson State because of his star power. Well, this is Dion speaking to his team before classes started this semester. It's
3: so awesome. School. We got school. We're to start school today, right? Okay, I want you to listen to me clearly and succinctly. No slides.
4: Oh,
2: that's awesome.
3: No slides. No slides. No armpits exposed. No white beaters. Sit in the front of the classroom and be the perfect gentleman because when it comes down to it and you need help from that professor, they're going to recall your character and who you've been consistently in that class. No slides. No sleeveless shirts. No armpits exposed. None of that. And uh, make sure you shower before you go to class. If you not, uh, I don't want to get a report that you was in some bull jump with our parallel represent us. Kids sitting in the back of the class making noise. He's freestyling back to the whole class while I was trying to teach it with Jack State football shirt on. It's not going to happen. When it gets back to me, it's going to get back to your coaches first, but then when it gets back to me, it's going to be a problem.
0: Going to be a problem.
2: Uh, love that. 312 642 5600 Pro answer line 64636 type in da then a quick comment
0: hey, expectations for kids and that's what they want they need uh, leadership
2: this, men men young men need role models like that
0: uh expectations uh, sometimes you're going to get angry with the players or with the kids because you have expectations for them and maybe they, they may not appreciate it at the time but they'll appreciate it as they grow into you know, young men in particular um, so I mean, Mike Leach, who is, you know colorful and I mean, just he's just he's, a, a character. There's I only mean, I, one of him in the world. <laughs> there's so many clips of him now circulating online. They're fun to go back and watch his, his football career. He wasn't like the, the highest of profile, but he had a very successful career. He he really made his mark at Texas Tech because of the high powered offenses that that he scripted there. But um, there's a, one one uh, clip that's circulating. Mississippi State, where he coached until his death, where I guess the receivers uh, in that particular game weren't running their routes or weren't running the routes hard enough. He was sort of upset with the whole receiving core. So he didn't say anything. He just went back to the um, sort of back of the sidelines where the team was standing. And there's chairs where the offense can sit down you know, when they're not on the field. And there were chairs specifically for the receivers. And you just picked up the chairs and folded them up and put them away. You, you, you're not sitting down. You don't get to sit down anymore <laughs> because you're not running the routes properly. You're not running them hard enough and so on and awesome. so forth. Just little things like that. And um, he, just uh, his uh, a colorful way to describe his uh, disappointments with his team. I mean, they were sort of oh, John McKay quality, you know, the former USC and Bucs coach who Tampa Bay Bucks coach who during Tampa Bay in the late 70s when they were the worst team in football famously was asked about his team's execution, and he said he's in favor of it. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike Leach on not playing hard.
5: Instead of playing hard and getting a first down and getting a play, then, you know, you want to sit behind a, a, a shade tree to fish sandwich and uh, drink a lemonade with your fat little girlfriend. Oh my God.
0: I don't know. You want to sit be behind a shade tree with a They're... fish sandwich and your fat little girl drink a lemonade with your fat little girlfriend. OK, <laughs> Mike Leach, uh, date package number one, apparently. And this okay. fat little girlfriend thing. I don't know why well, all of his players apparently have fat little girlfriends or maybe he was making fun of them, trying to motivate them. But this came up again and again when he would, uh, you know, criticize his players uh, in an entertaining
6: way. As coaches, we failed to get through to them. As as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends (laughs) have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how how easy it's going to be and how, you know... Uh, you know we, uh, we, you know we had a whole bunch of people, everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game well I, I mean that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football and uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them, and uh, the players have to listen and i i 'm willing to go to uh, fairly amazing lengths to try to make that happen i don 't know if i 'll be successful this week or not, but but, you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. Uh, and if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> he's obsessed with their fat little girlfriends.
2: I, I mean, maybe he's doing that to motivate them, as you said. I love it. Does you, know, I, I you surround it. yourself with people who just make you feel good? I don't know.
0: I wanted to win the football game. They want to play the football game. We hear, see examples of that in life all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach uh, Leach also offered just just some general advice, uh, you know, uh, wisdom from a life lived. So for example, he would go off on these tangents, like uh, providing men and women with advice on getting married in terms of the actual wedding process and ceremony. This is a classic Mike Leach riff.
5: The women lose their mind. Your fiance's gonna lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her, her mind. Oh my. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. Oh my! And um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course, my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh-huh. Uh, what should we have for dessert i don't care should we seat this this way or th- that that way i don't care but see i don't care is not satisfactory at all and you're going to get caught in a catch 22 and i'm certain that you already have and that catch 22 is well i want you to be a part of this too uh so what color invitations um all right the blue ones well i kind of like uh i kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over. You're not even thinking about it, which is, of course, true. Uh, What do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry (laughs) shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep away from you. Until uh, after you're married, there's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if mm. you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh, well, I just don't feel like he's that interesting. Yeah, okay, so so you need to work late, uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books, uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right. And they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, And in the end, you'll wish you eloped. Uh, You need to find um, (laughs) excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can.
0: That's like at a post-game press conference.
2: That's another reason why Dan Proft is single right there, buddy.
0: Mike Leach, uh, football coach, philosopher. uh, Jim, Tampa, Florida. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
7: Hey, hey, good morning, guys. You guys are on such a great point this morning. And coaches, and I extend that to PE teachers, too, are the place at school where this wisdom can still happen. And two reasons. They were, they live in a world of merit, and they live in a world of rules. and And they still have to abide by those two things until you can start intentionally running the ball into your own end zone and get points for it you 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 live in a world of merit and rules and and uh and
2: when you live in those worlds that's how you that's what keeps you grounded
0: yeah thanks yep. for the call Build well, good you players also,
2: and good citizens
0: you also live in a world of a unit and you have responsibilities to the other players on the team yep. and you're held to account for those responsibilities um, but right, that the the last meritocracy now. Of course, sports is not insulated from larger society, and so that's being attacked in sport as well. But it's still largely look, largely is the case. I mean, you either can hit the three hundred yard drive, or you can't. You either run a four two forty, or you don't. Um, so yeah, you're right. Exactly. Uh, Bob Grace Lake here in Chicago's Morning Answer.
8: Yeah, it's
9: a lot like uh, Mac Brown from uh, North Carolina who tries to get in with the phraseology of the kids. And and uh, it, it, although he's like 60 years older than the, most of them, uh, he's pretty cool. But uh, I'm sure that uh, Mike Leach, when he used the word fat girls, was uh, spelling it P-H-A-T.
0: Yo oh, yeah right p h h yeah he's he's, he's down so with the hip hop lingo. <laughs> yeah okay and, and I don't I don't know how the the fish sandwich and the shade tree with the lemonade fits into you know modern lingo but okay. There's an, another great story Mike Leach story. And this was when I think he was the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma and it was the Red River Showdown between Oklahoma and Texas. And um uh in the 99 the game this was the 1999 game during the uh, pregame game warm up underhanded script outlining Oklahoma's opening offensive plays spotted on the field by one of Texas's student assistants, scooped it up, took it to the Longhorns defensive coordinator, uh, and it seemed like they caught a break, right? Uh, We were trying to figure out if it was authentic, said the uh, defense coordinator for Texas at the time. We were in a state of, can we believe this? They shouldn't have. It was a fake, a plot hatched by Mike Leach, the Sooners' offensive coordinator, um, who – uh, uh, <laughs> who gave them the plays that they, uh, you know, gave them plays they were sensibly going to run, and they, um, you know, set up their defense accordingly, except that's not the plays they ran. And uh, Mac Brown, speaking of Mac Brown, who was a coach of Texas for, uh, as well during his career, That does sound like Mike. I do know this. Offensive coordinators are so careful with those scripts, they wouldn't be losing them. Those things are valuable. Only Mike would think to lay one out on the field as a decoy. Classic. Uh, Mike in Plano.
7: Hey, guys. Yeah, I was listening to some uh, Mike Leach Leach clips uh, yesterday on my way to work, and... uh it is some different ones from the ones you played. And, uh, it, when you listen to him, you can tell easily that he's very conservative. And I do remember seeing a few years ago that he, uh, publicly came out as a Trump supporter.
10: which yeah, makes
7: did. sense Cause we, yeah, when you listen to him speak, he's very old school. He's sort of like your get off my lawn type of guy. You know, all these kids today are spoiled type. And, uh, when you compare him with a guy like Deon Sanders, I don't know where Deon's politics lie. He's Probably, you know, in the middle, middle of the road type of guy, but, um, I, I know, uh, Amy, you liked what he uh, said during that uh, speech you played. Well, I, I listened to his very uh, first speech that he gave to his uh, team at Colorado and was actually very heavily criticized by Jason Whitlock. And uh, what he did, he basically just made the entire speech about himself, and then he also criticized the players for being lackadaisical, even though he didn't coach them last year and probably didn't watch a single game. And he also named his kid as a starting quarterback for next year's team, and his kid hasn't even transferred yet, so – it's Deion's kind of more built like your uh, in, entitlement culture there, and I just don't really see it working out for him. He got to wait for a lot of Jackson State because of the level of competition. That could be that easy in the Pac-12. Well,
0: we'll see. Uh, and we we uh, can't say that he call, didn't Mike. watch a
2: game, especially if his son is going to go to school at Colorado.
0: Well, we'll, 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 we'll see, see about that. I mean, Deion knows a lot about the game and you know, the, the level of competition. Well, that's Jackson State wasn't meeting the level of competition in uh, uh, the, the the SWAC until he came there. They weren't winning conference championships until he came there. So, you know, whatever principles he applied at Jackson State are certainly transferable to a Colorado program that's in the shambles too. So I, I think I'm going to reserve judgment on primetime, and we'll see how he does at uh, effectively the next level.
1: Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app.
11: Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank.
1: America First with Sebastian Gorka. Today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM560. The answer.
0: Good of the morning, Dan and Amy. We're pleased to be joined now by the winner of our Business Boost Contest. She is Angelica Ford. She's the owner of Fueled by AF. You'll hear more about her business in just a moment. And banking big wheel, Kevin Bastuga from Signature Bank, (laughs) my business bank. This is uh, the second year we've done this Business Boost Contest and program, and it was great success last year, and we're looking forward to helping Angelica Ford grow her business, Fueled by AF. Kevin and Angela, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
12: Thank you for having us.
0: Kevin, let's start with you and the vision for signature the 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 partnership that we have with Signature Bank here at am Five Hundred and Sixty to do the Business Boost Program.
13: Yeah, so we had started this with you guys years ago in the form of the uh, the business tour, right? <clears throat> where right. you guys would uh, broadcast from different companies that uh, applied to be, I guess, exposed um, to your audience, and and that worked really well, and then. COVID hit. Um, and, and wasn't so... that fun, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to kind of reimagine this thing. So with, with the help of your program people, um, we came up with the Business Boost, and it worked well last year. We're happy to do it again, um, and, and this year kind of in the form of a uh, a Shark Tank kind of episode, and uh, we were thrilled that uh, Angelica was the winner.
2: Yeah, and it was, um, I mean, really, I did feel like I was on Shark Tank, yeah. and we had a number of people try out and they presented the reason why we should invest in them. But Angelica, you did such an amazing job. So tell us about your company.
12: Well, it did feel like Shark Tank, which is my (laughs) favorite show. So when I came in, I told them about my company Fueled by AF, which is a small local company here in Chicago that supports and employs individuals with disabilities while providing the best and healthiest snacks possible. So we make homemade protein bites, nut butters, and for the holiday season, we started making gift sets. But our main goal is to keep everyone as healthy as possible and employ as many people with disabilities.
0: Yeah, they, um, one of uh, your employees uh, who has unique abilities joined you for the presentation. I, I'm, I'm blanking on her name. What was her name again?
12: Her name was Kate.
0: Yeah, she was great. She was wonderful. And so, so, uh, again, same thing here, uh, the vision question, your vision for this company, both in terms of the product lines as well as the uh, unique approach to employ people with unique abilities.
12: Correct. Yeah, my vision was during COVID, I think everyone complained a lot about being stuck at home, but the reality was uh, uh, people with disabilities are always stuck at home most times. They have a hard time finding a job, And it's not because of them, it's because society has believed that they can't function or perform at the highest level, and I don't believe that. So I started employing them, and our company is 28% more efficient than other food companies our size. So we've proven that it's not true. They can function at the highest level. And we have a very efficient company and we're very successful because we chose to employ individuals with disabilities.
0: The food products, too. Like a, you're you're like a health nut, right? You're like a, you were an Olympic swimmer or something like that.
12: Yeah. I wish <laughs> in my own mind. I but you, were,
2: you were an athlete.
12: In yeah, college. I was a collegiate athlete and I went to school for fit health and fitness. And one of my biggest things is you can't function well if you fuel your body poorly. So my goal over COVID was like I was just cooking and having fun, but I made something that tastes really good and it was really clean. So I started giving them out to customers and clients and they loved them. But going beyond my research, I realized that people with disabilities, you can increase their daily functionality with cleaner food, but the trouble is finding something they love. Yeah, so, and
2: everything's so processed out there. Very processed. And this was just all natural. And, I mean, I loved, I'm actually hungry right now. I want some of those protein balls. Hopefully, did you bring some today? Okay.
12: I think someone's hiding them. <laughs> okay. They're, but,
2: they're but very you're, good,
0: but right. can, I, can I encourage you to oh, um, create a line of vodka? Because oh, my that's, God. that's yeah. what fuels me. Right. Uh, me so, too, you know, but don't the, tell anyone. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so your
2: dream someday is to have a handicap-accessible kitchen to Correct. cook in. So where are you making your products now? And just tell us what the end game is. So we're currently
12: in an incubator kitchen at the Hatchery in Chicago. And it's working well, but there's a few things that, you know, are already set up for a culinary kitchen that just kind of don't work for us. And so we're navigating our way around it. But I think there is a next level component that we can offer to people with disabilities so they can come in and feel included. So lower sinks, prep tables that raise and lower Uh, noise canceling is a huge thing you know light proper lighting to not cause seizures so all those things are taken into account when I'm looking for spaces and the other biggest thing is we need a little bit more room for people in wheelchairs to go around Mm -hmm. the prep tables and so we make it work right now but there's definitely another level of functionality we can hit that we're not able to have right now.
0: And and we should uh, remind uh, folks that the Business Boost Program, thanks to the generosity of Signature Bank, seventy five thousand dollars marketing plan for uh, for Angelica and for her business, fueled by AF to you know uh, in- increase the awareness so you can scale the business.
12: Right, and that's our goal is by getting our name out more and more, hoping that we can find more people with disabilities that like to come work. But in addition to that is increasing our sales to allow us to expand our kitchen space. And
2: what's your goal, like? Whole Foods, Target, where? The so, jewels?
12: <laughs> yes, uh, we've been applying to all of those, and that's our goal, is to expand into all of those regionally within the next year. And my five-year goal is to be nationwide and to hopefully open another production facility on the west and the east coast to employ even more individuals with disabilities because it's not commonly found.
0: Love the business. Love the vision. Uh, same thing we say about Signature Bank. Signaturebank.bank for more information about the bank. If you want to consider Signature Bank as your business bank, as it is mine, I'd certainly encourage that. And uh, Angelica's business, Fueled by AF, Fueled by AFSnacks.com, Fueled by snackscom And you'll be hearing a lot more about her business in the coming weeks on our Airwaves. Kevin Basuga, Angelica Ford, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
12: Thank
1: you for having us. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com
11: slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank. Top of the morning,
0: Dan and Amy. Maxwell Frost is the first Gen Z congressman. He'll be seated next month when the new Congress is seated.
2: Any he from Florida?
0: Yeah, Orlando area. He replaced Val Demings. Uh, who ran for Senate against Marco Rubio, 25 years old. He is uh, going to make one hundred seventy-four grand, like every other member of the House, at least a baseline. You know, you get bumps if you're in leadership. And um, he couldn't rent an apartment in Washington, D.C. He failed the credit check.
2: Oh. Oh, wait, but the story that I read... Said so that the rent was too high and he couldn't afford it.
0: The rent's too damn high. He's in the rent's too damn high party. Yeah, one hundred seventy-four grand, and you can't afford to rent an apartment oh, in D.C. No, it was because he had a terrible pre- credit score, which he apprised a prospective landlord he possessed. I ran up a lot of debt running for Congress for a year and a half. Didn't make enough money from Uber itself to pay for my living. Uh, he, he's 25 years old. Prior to running for office, he was a what? community organizer for the aclu and for march for our lives gun banners well both camps um and this is what he said Never had a real job this is what he said about it and you know there's nothing nothing wrong with driving uber but quitting his full-time work was necessary given the demands of campaigning and what this really shows his inability to be able to rent an apartment on his own is that in this country we allow numbers like credit scores to completely define a human. It just shows how much of a problem we have. Oh, he's going to be fun. You know, we can quickly inaugurate him into being an honorary socialist Spice Girl with AOC and Tlaib and Omar and Presley and Sean Caston and the rest.
2: Can't he just live in his congressional office? I remember Joe Walsh did that for a while.
0: Um, Hardly the point. The larger point is, should you be allowed to hold office if you cannot rent an apartment by yourself?
2: Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey 5600, turnkey.pro. Answer line 64636. Type in DA. Then a quick comment. The good news is, Dan, he's 25, so he's still on his parents' health insurance.
0: That is good news for him. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I, it really is something, and and then the attitude about it. we allow credit scores to define us as a human. No, we don't allow them to define you as human. We just allow them to define your creditworthiness for the purposes of things like renting an apartment. That that's what we allow credit scores to do, young Maxwell Frost. Um, but but that of course, entitle- he
2: thinks it's the, it's the credit score is a problem, not him.
0: The entitled attitude. But I I really think, you know, certain things I'd like to see change. You know, ages, oh, raise the age. No, we don't need to raise the age. If you can't accomplish simple tasks, if you haven't accomplished enough to have the wherewithal to rent with a $175,000 salary to rent an apartment, then you know what? You just don't belong in a position where you're representing the interests of other people because you can't even represent your own. You can't even accommodate your own basic needs like shelter. So I, I think those conversations would be fun. It's like sort of the conversation about having a collections window at the welfare office, yeah. right? If, if welfare is a hand up, then um, certainly the state, federal government, state government, would allow people to pay back the welfare like, um, like the scene in Cinderella Man. Yeah, thank, thanks, for uh, letting, thanks for providing uh, that. Now I'm going to pay it back because I'm on my, my feet again. It would just be like things like that that speak of, I don't know, adulthood, where adulthood is called for, like to be the head of a family or to be an elected official.
2: And he tweeted, this ain't meant for people who don't already have money. He tweeted that on Thursday.
0: Right. As he, he enjoys said, a salary at 25, that is uh, two and a half times the median household income in this country. The sense of an entitlement. The Gen Z members of Congress that are coming will be very interesting.
2: Welcome to what you voted for.
1: Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. The story that uh, we brought you first on Monday. This incident at a York High School bathroom in Elmhurst. Where um, a bunch of kids were uh, squirting around in the bathroom and started picking on, at least one of them, started picking on a boy with Down syndrome and pushed him to the ground. The boy retreated to a bathroom stall for safe haven, essentially. Uh, This video was sent to me by a concerned parent. We posted it. Went uh, viral. It's become really an international story. The Daily Mail has picked it up mm-hmm. among other outlets,
2: and it's just hey. sickening that the, the the kids are laughing. Dan, I've watched it dozens of times now, and besides the 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 you know what, who's videotaping it, but the other kids are laughing. There one there's one kid in a gray Patagonia sweatshirt who looks like he's kind of sort of defending him, and then the rest are just celebrating the knockdown.
0: So we um, have openly asked over the last couple of days. Well. Just members of the school board want to say anything. They're the representatives of the public. They're elected officials. There's a school board meeting last night.
2: Oh, I'm sure there was Elmhurst a protest, District,
0: right? Elmhurst 205 school board meeting last night. Kara Caforia is the 205 school board president, and uh, we finally have the school board addressing what transpired. Here's what she said.
14: While multiple communications have been sent out to York parents, district parents, and to the parents of our students with disabilities, many of you have also expressed frustration in not knowing all the details. Social media is unfortunately and expectedly replete with partial facts, conjecture, and sensationalism. Therefore, I would like to take a moment to clarify the events of last week for our community. Please recognize that we must respect the privacy of our students within the bounds of the law and are not able to divulge all the information that you may desire. Once the administration had a full understanding of the situation, significant con- school consequences were issued to the students involved.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you yesterday my understanding was that uh, the students involved got suspended and the main assailant who pushed that boy to the ground is no longer at York. Uh, I got an indication that he transferred to it here. He he did or is being transferred to another school.
2: Oh, great. So he could do it again there because you think this is their first time doing that? They seem pretty experienced, those group of guys.
0: Well, uh, it's getting a little bit more complicated because Elmhurst police did investigate this. And the family does not want to pursue any criminal charges. So the police department is going to respect the family of the boy with Down syndrome, which is fine. The um, I mean, you know, I understand the deference to the family. I also understand because according to the police report, the Elmhurst police report, uh, five students, including the student with special needs, willfully engaging in physical contact while other students observed. At one point, the student with special needs was pushed and fell to the ground. Uh, the investigation revealed the student with special needs is a member of the school's wrestling team, engaged in wrestling behavior with four other students, two of, him, two of whom were his teammates. Sick. Uh, but it was a student who is not on the wrestling team that appeared to have pushed him to the ground. Well, oh, what a... Uh, also, a female student who is a student aide for this boy with Down syndrome escorted him to the restroom. Then she summoned school administrators when she heard quote unquote unusual activity in the restroom, according to the police report. So, really, they the, were
2: wrestling? They're, that, that's what they're going with?
0: Well, that's the, that's the Elmhurst police report. Okay. Uh, the family is declining to pursue charges. Um, I also have a communication that I haven't authenticated, but it appears to be on some sort of uh, school chat space, if you will, that I I believe to be the guy who pushed the kid to the ground, and I'm not going to name his name. No. Uh, and um, – but um, he, he – if this is the person, and you have some people per this police report doing the same, um he is offering a defense saying you know i basically I didn't start it. He came in contact with me and I, and oh, that crossed the really? line, and I pushed him to the ground
2: oh so self defense that's what he's going with now this person that has been moved to a different school, did they do it voluntarily before the punishment came down, or did they did he get expelled from York high school, or do we not know because they're minors?
0: I don't think there was an expulsion. I think they they moved. I think my sense is the family moved on it before before. the school did. Um, And so, you know, for those that are offering an explanation or a defense, well, that's fine. Happy to hear it out. Uh, As soon as the parents or the kids in that bathroom want to come forward and explain themselves. You see, that's what's missing and that's why this uh police report is unsatisfying yeah uh and that's why it doesn't provide any exoneration in my mind for what was done but you know we have to tackle all of the facts in the case and address them as they present themselves and by the way uh miss fior um, uh, the school board president miss Caforia, yeah. you know uh bitching about social media well uh sorry, Ms. Koforia, but you, the school board president, was nowhere to be found before last night's meeting. So if um, you say, well, we had an an investigation and this and that, you know what? Um, There are things that people can say who have a platform, like a radio talk show host or a school board president, that in no way inhibit or corrupt an ongoing investigation there are things that people can't say and we've said them on this show and i'll say them again that have nothing to do with the police have nothing to do with the school administration you know what you could say and it's not just miscaphoria the school board president you know what people could say say um Forget the lawyers and forget the politicians and forget the police and and say, you know, parents of these boys, why don't you come forward or encourage, even better, encourage your boys to come forward and address what happened, Uh, maybe in conjunction with that boy with Down syndrome who was pushed to the ground and Let's see if we can't resolve this like men and any associated appropriate punishment and say, you know, there's misunderstandings. There was bad judgment. There was bad behavior. Um, I don't want this to be reflective of who I am forever. I don't want to hide from this. I want to own what I did, uh, offer contrition, make amends repair the relationship, take the punishment, and then you move on. Instead, everybody has to intercede. And and for people that are outside observers, it's hard to make heads or tails of it because nobody is adult enough to talk like an adult and present themselves like an adult to address the situation, the incident on the merits.
2: 312 642 5600 is our turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us always on our text line at six four six three six. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Did anybody else speak about it at the board meeting last night? Yeah, was...
0: we'll get to it. Okay. And, but Kafaria, and this is why I've got a, a, an additional problem with Ms. Kafaria, the school board president. Because okay. after you heard what she said about the incident and the process and significant school consequences that we can't describe in detail then you get the waterworks oh no it's cuz it's about her
2: right not the
14: victim. there is no place for this behavior and treatment of students with a disability in our schools to our wider elmhurst community while one incident hurts and it hurts deeply the outpouring of compassion in action from our student body at York High School has been nothing short of amazing. We are so proud of our students for their outrage over this situation and their adamant and immediate response to make it clear to everyone that the actions of this small group do not represent the entire York student body.
0: Mm-hmm. Protect the shield, just like I said would happen. Protect the shield, talk about the school community, the, uh, the, the larger community, York strong, Elmhurst strong, isolated incident, so on and so forth. Dance around it all, celebrate ourselves.
2: And cry because, oh, I really do care. Look, I'm crying.
0: So um, maybe that's not the whole, and, but, you know, this, this whole, this one-off kind of deal. Um, Maybe there's something more going on at York that uh, they're trying to cover with tears. Dominic Pagora spoke at the board meeting during public comment. He's a York high school senior, also member of the football
15: and wrestling teams. Uh, My name is Dominic Pagora. I'm a senior here at York high school, and I'm a part of the football and wrestling teams. After seeing the recent video, I don't believe the correct measures are being taken. The problem with the video was not solely the push, rather the laughing and uh, videotaping that took place after. This all stems from the lack of education at our schools from both the middle and high schools. Students put in that position do not know what to do and fall back on making fun of someone they do not fully understand. When things finally got out of control, no student had the courage to stand up. All that happens in this district is fires are put out rather than prevented. Mm. This all stems from the education taught in our middle school and high school, mm. as said before. Events like these take place in our middle school every day and, noth- and nothing is done about it and no one talks about it. My sister is a sixth grader and has Down syndrome. <clears throat> she is unable to attend Sandberg Middle School due to the mistreatment of kids with disabilities at that school by not only the students, uh, but the mistrained staff, or untrained staff. I've heard horror stories of students with disabilities being dragged across the hallway because they cannot sit still. Increased education on how to treat and support kids with disability is not only needed, but vital to create a community of warmth and helpfulness. And that starts with you. Thank you uh so i'm I'm sorry, uh Miss a
0: small group of people one off incident that's not what Dominic Pagora says, and he has a, as he said, a sister with Downs yeah. who's in sixth grade
2: who can't even go to her middle school because of bullying, and the staff being you know not well trained to handle it.
0: that's not what he sees, Ooh. apparently. Good for uh, for also, for up. those uh, who think, oh, this was just uh, you know, kids and horseplay and, and you know, they're on the same wrestling team and so on and so forth, gross. Dominic Pagora's on the wrestling team. That's not what he saw. That's not what he understands happened.
2: That wrestling excuse is such a bull jive. You don't wrestle in a bathroom. That's gross. Nobody does that.
16: That's a cover.
0: Mary Kay, Western Springs.
16: Hi, yeah, when they, when I heard you say about the wrestling thing, I didn't buy that for a second. Mm-hmm. Does that sound even plausible, Amy? No. Well, no,
2: my my foster son wrestled. They would never wrestle in a bathroom. That's gross. No one wants no, to
16: hang out the bathroom. Not, yes. No, that's just a big lie, and I, I hate when, when, when people put stuff out there that's so blatantly lying. I mean, it's lying, Dan. You know, they're covering. They don't want to admit it. Uh, you know they and that that board member crying saying it doesn't reflect the um the entire student body well it probably um reflects about seventy five percent of them or maybe well, may, you know but i no well, maybe i'm I, overboard i'm well overboard. I,
0: I don't you know th- thanks for coming it's not i i don't know what it reflects that's that's not germane i i-, I let's say it is reflective of a small percentage of fine whatever i who cares this isn't a percentage game. This is, uh, how are we addressing this specific incident?
2: Well, they're lying. Cell phone video showed the student with special needs willfully engaging in wrestling behavior. So they're defending the suspects. They're not to, They're not helping the, the special needs student. Who's they? The police, by saying that in the police report. The video well, showed the student with special needs willfully engaging in wrestling behavior. Willfully? Well, willfully. well uh,
0: again uh you have like for example that wrestling wrestler and football player Dominic Pagora when things got out of hand. You know, I I don't know the backstory, oh let's, you know, meet in the bathroom and we'll uh we'll we'll go over wrestling moves or something. I don't know if he was invited, if he was lured, if this was to make fun of him or if it was just to engage in horseplay and then somebody took it too far and then nobody stepped in when it was taken too far. I don't know. But what I do know is that we could know these things if people stood and delivered on the on the on the substance of the matter. And that's the fundamental problem here. The parents who are hiding their kids and the kids who are letting themselves be hidden. That's the fundamental problem. Frank in Arlington Heights. Well,
9: another fundamental problem. Good morning is uh, the fact that our children today are remaining children until their late 20s early 30s that's part of it. I don't know if you remember the movie Lucas. That came out when we were sure. kids Dan and
0: Glenbard well, West.
9: You know char- yeah, Arlington Charlie high
4: school. Sheen, yeah
9: Charlie Sheen was the senior I think in that movie and you know he was more of the adult and helping out Lucas the little kid you know the kid who was a freshman or whatever he was. You know I I'm not saying that there's there's high school kids that are good like that of course but
0: Frank would you know, say that would you say society, Lucas would you say Lucas is your favorite Corey Haim movie?
9: For sure, it's yeah, better okay. than that vampire one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that was a great. It was a great film. It Some was of them, uh,
0: taped at uh, Arlington High School too. At the, the inside. Thank you. I thought, where, yeah, I know you got to get yeah. the Arlington piece in. Well, I mean, you know it's really Our high West.
2: school was all in it. What, so, what, yeah. Glenbard West was the beautiful,
0: storied campus in DuPage County, and yeah. it was. Okay, we
2: anyway. were the gym. Campus.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> one yeah, one, one more point I
9: want to make. One more point I want to make about the school boards. You know, when we had Loudon. County School Board. I, I was surprised at the dais that they had up there. And they were all sitting there like these, you know, great officials up there at the dais. Oh, here we are. We're the School Board of Loudon County, and it sounded like at this one here they had a pretty good sound system there where the president was talking. Why don't these school boards just get get back to being custodians and managing the assets of the district and uh, cut their budgets and cut the taxes? Of the people in their districts, because and not all school boards are are, are, are like this one here, or, or seemingly are like this one. But I mean, you know, you have a nice sound system like that. School board meeting should should be at a little table
0: with some well, people there. Yeah. And,
9: and, and you know, you don't need all this stuff. You need to have public comment. But I remember back in two fourteen years ago, that's the way it was. I remember I had to make a comment or two at two fourteen. They were sitting at some regular tables, and it was just very, uh, you know, they were there, they were up there, but it wasn't like this all all these formalities. So anyway, those are my comments about. Thanks it. for the call.
0: Frank, I appreciate it. I mean, it was, it's, I think it's in an auditorium. It wasn't too regal, and they weren't like, you know, Andy Kaufman sitting 12 feet above <laughs> the audience. Um, so, you know, that that wasn't so much of it. But, I mean, it is a unbelievable number. I think they had nine school board members, and then you got, of course, and a superintendent and 57 assistant superintendents with these uh, – the, the empire building that goes on in K through 12 education and the staffing up and, and doctor, this, and all that nonsense. So there's definitely some of that, but, um, yeah, the school board, we'll get to more. We'll talk more about that, including Loudon, because there's a development oh, there. Yeah. Marty in Naperville.
9: Hey, good morning. First of all, as soon as the water works start, any leadership uh, position you're trying to assume is raw is gone because now it's become about you. So that you know, that that's ridiculous. Second, I'm a product of the seventies schools, nineteen seventies. Back then, if somebody picked on the week, they were taken care of. And it was just I maybe it'd be right or wrong, but they would be walking down the hall and all of a sudden something would, you know, become to them. And it was just it was just taken care of differently and it was done. But now it's you know, I'll bet you if this kid's father came parents came to the school it would all be turned around. and it, you'd pro- First of all, you'd probably know exactly why these kids did it if you met their parents. So that's a start right off the bat. But, you know, whether it be right or wrong, bring back the bike racks. And this stuff will all get
13: taken care of. Thanks so. for
0: the call, Marty. Dirk and Stager.
13: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, the one thing I, that I think is really missing from all this coverage is, has anybody got a statement from the Down syndrome kid? I mean, he should be capable of saying what happened.
0: Yeah, I I don't know that. All we know is the police report. Obviously, the police talked to the family. I don't know if they spoke to the boy directly. And, you know, as again, we told you, the police said the family declined to pursue criminal charges. And so they're going to respect the wishes. But that's all we know at this point. All right, thanks, thank- for call, thanks for the call Dirk and I mean I I I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't I would welcome hearing from yeah. uh the boy or his family I understand the fam- why the family wouldn't want to put him out there in the media so I get that but the the father uh in response I mean again this is on video everybody knows who everybody in that community is right. going to know who these people are so I don't know what you think you're hiding from it's it's going to be known, and it, you can transfer to another school, and they're still going to know. So why not own it, step up, uh, explain yourself, defend yourself if you want, how, explain yourself however you want, and you know address these matters. I, I just. It doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't do that, Well, in response, particularly if yeah. there are any sort of mitigating circumstances.
2: Right, like if they were wrestling before, because we didn't see what happened at the beginning of the video, so we don't know. But it was, I, I don't know, far reach for them to say that he willfully engaged in wrestling. Well, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd like well, to hear well, from...
0: Well, we have an investigation that the school did, and obviously they reached the conclusion they reached because... You know, everybody got suspended and one got transferred, we believe to be the case. And you heard the school board president, who has to speak in vague generalities, say serious school consequences. So, you know, they handed down
1: punishment. That's obvious.
2: And as a result, they're going to have a walkout on Friday at 1 p.m., York high school students.
1: Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM560. The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Last week, uh, we uh, brought you the results of this special grand jury investigation into the the Loudoun County Public Schools, Northern Virginia. Uh, That was a significant factor in last year's gubernatorial election that put glenn yunkin in as governor of virginia and uh, the rest of the slate winsome sears jason miares as attorney general and we'll get to him in just a second the special grand jury investigation into Loudoun county and public schools concluded that the schools the administrators i would include the school board members to the extent they had knowledge or should have quote, are looking out for their own interests instead of the best interests of students as it pertains to how the school handled two sexual assaults last year. The school responded but, but there were no criminal charges filed against anybody. And so the school, in response to this damning report on their conduct, celebrated the fact that nobody had been charged criminally. That was their grand takeaway, which really gives you an insight into the mindset here. In spite of recent allegations leveled against Loudoun County School Board, members of the Loudoun County Public School employees and members of the Loudoun County Public Schools over the past several years were pleased the special grand jury's extensive investigation found no evidence of criminal conduct on the part of anyone within LCPS, Loudoun County Public Schools. Not a single indictment was filed as a result of this lengthy process. Hooray! We did...
10: (laughs) Know, but they both did had a good to, job. But
2: they both had to appear before the they were both in court yesterday. Both Ziegler and uh this Baird guy. And
0: yeah, so that's what that so was what, last what, week. They right. celebrated and no criminal charges against anybody. They fired Ziegler, the superintendent, and then
2: the spokesperson was placed on leave.
0: And then yesterday, uh because of the attorney general, you had both the former superintendent and the former district spokesperson charged criminally. And the spokesman is being charged with felony perjury while the former superintendent is being charged with a number of misdemeanors. Oh, well, uh, now I guess you can't celebrate that nobody's been uh, implicated for criminal offenses, can you, Loudoun County Public Schools, as if that's the standard that the public should expect. We did a terrible job. Um, our malfeasance resulted in at least one sexual assault of a girl in our one of our high schools that should have been prevented, that should not have happened. But, hey, nobody's been charged, so look at us. Well, look at you now. And Scott Smith, who's the parent of the first girl oh, that yeah. was sexually assaulted by a trans student, had this to say on the announcement of these criminal charges.
15: Now, the allegations became... Those indictments today are awesome. They're going to help us keep knocking bricks out of the wall between LCPS and the moms and dads of Loudoun County. 312-642-5600,
0: 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line, 646-36DA, pro text line.
2: And I just love, I don't know if we read this before, but Ziegler gave an interview to the Washington Post. And he said, quote, I'm disappointed that an attorney general, controlled, secret, and one-sided process which never once sought my testimony, has made such false and irresponsible accusations against me. <laughs> it's a grand jury, doesn't he understand how those work?
0: I don't understand who you're. Who, who's saying? Oh, the what Ziegler to whom? said that the superintendent. Oh, yeah. He's
2: upset at the the that there was a grand jury and he didn't get to participate. Oh, um, too bad as you say. Oh, so sad. Too bad.
0: The the statement that uh, Scott Smith made too. It's so illustrative. Great metaphor. Uh, pulling the bricks out of the wall between the schools and the parents. That's what we see. We're seeing it in Elmhurst 205 right now. And that's what you're seeing all over. That's the culture in so many of these school districts because so many of these school districts are dominated by imperious leftists, frankly. It's not necessarily a partisan or philosophical thing, but it is in significant measure a partisan and philosophical thing. Pulling out the bricks between the parents and the schools. Adversaries. Not uh, partners in their kids' education. Don't you start to get that feeling? Haven't you gotten that feeling yet? Or is uh, this, these are, well, to borrow from the uh, sort of couched arguments that are made Passive-aggressive defenses, really? Those are just one-offs, anecdotes. Does it represent the wide swath of our community? Loudon Strong, Elmer Strong, Flossmoor Strong, Flossmoor. Yeah,
2: what's going on in Flossmoor?
0: Family suing HF after their daughter was said she was sexually assaulted during a theater class. Oh boy! At the end of October. The family's lawyer said they hope to shine a light on the quote culture of sexual and physical violence unquote at Homer flossmore high school well that's int- that's a that's a big allegation that's more than just uh whatever is alleged to have happened to this girl in her theater class um the h uh, f administration vehemently denies we're going to vigorously defend you know the usual we'll see i that's that's all the reporting on it we don't have a lot more detail but The idea that what happened in Loudoun County couldn't happen in HF, couldn't happen in most of these school districts, given the leadership and the disposition of said leadership. This is the big takeaway, whether you're talking about Loudoun County or you're talking about HF potentially or you're talking about Elmhurst or you're talking about the myriad other schools that we've talked about on this show. I mean, you have to address the philosophy because it in, it's the basis upon which these decisions are made, the basis on which the responses are crafted, the processes are set up. You can't divorce one from the other. One it helps to explain why the other occurred. So let me give you another example. I mean, we could do this all day with the schools and we should. Every single one of them, including where your kids go to school. And you should participate too if you're not already. 312 642 5600 answer line. 646 36 DA turnkey.pro text line. Let me introduce you to the school board member Jennifer Solit, Upper Moreland Township uh, Pennsylvania and, uh, the vote for the school board president. When that vote came for the school board president, here's what Jennifer Sollett had to say.
16: Having said that, I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board president of this district sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that Our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Mrs. Steinbeck has done an exemplary job as president these last few months and the strength of her performance has earned her my vote tonight.
0: It would be wrong. I mean, first of all, it would be wrong. He, he, this guy would make a good board president. But it would be wrong because he's a white straight. He's a straight white male. That's what she said. Yes, yeah, so. that's not what we're. That's not what we do here on the school board. By the way, Upper Moreland High School students seventy-one uh, percent student body is white. Not that I, not that I care, well, but, I, but mean, I mean, if you are going to play represent- identitarian right. it, if you are going to play right. identitarian politics, let's talk about what the school district. Let's talk about the composition of the school district, student body, and such. Uh, it's a top ten percent. School, according to the academic rankings in the state of Pennsylvania.
2: Isn't that reverse racism? Or
0: So think about it if that was, um, I mean, so think, you know, think about that as like a typical suburban school in a wealthy area here, like With say Stevenson. Elmhurst or the North Shore. Of course it would happen there. Of course it would happen there because um, in other places they don't have time for that. I mean, although most other places are, Suffering from the same poison, same poisoning. <laughs> I mean, you say that at a school, where we, you know, it's not. I think you know this. Uh, this candidate's better than that candidate because of her service, because of her expertise, because of her vision for the school, because of the work she puts in and can put in versus what some other candidate can. And then usually these are volunteer positions and so on and so forth. No. We can't send a message that a straight white male can be a school board president in this community. That's what they're focused on. And again, the dominance by the teachers unions of these school boards is understated. It is underappreciated by most parents, particularly those that aren't at school board meetings and don't have a handle on the politics in the school which is a small percentage of the parents at any particular school, for sure. Dominated by teachers union automatons. You can tell not even, you don't have to even look like political contributions or endorsements. You can tell by the political can't. You can tell by the leftist buzzwords that are strung together. The emoting. The sentimentality, the identitarian nonsense, it's not that hard to pick up on. But I don't think people have an appreciation for how dominant that leftist institution, public sector teachers unions, are when it comes to the operation of your kids' schools. And you better get wise to it. Like a bunch of left-leaning families in Loudoun County got wise to it. And Fairfax County. And maybe now Elmhurst. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. An AM 560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. With Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson. An AM 560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, Dictionary.com, all these competing dictionaries coming out with their words of the year. Dictionary.com's word of the year. What? Uh, you wouldn't think this is new or particularly controversial, but... Uh, Gaslighting, what is it? If you, would, if you think that, then you have been paying attention to what's happening in culture. Woman, word of the year. <laughs> what? what? Woman. Our selection of women as our 2022 word of the year reflects how the intersection of gender identity and language dominates the current cultural conversations and shapes much of our work as a dictionary. Uh Uh-huh. More than ever, we're all faced with questions about who gets to identify as a woman or a man or neither. Right. I think, uh, actually, um, news to dictionary.com. I think Mr. Rogers settled this uh, some time ago.
4: Boys are boys from the beginning hmm. girls are girls right from the start everybody's fancy everybody's fine your body's fancy and so is mine
0: next year's word of the year will be fancy um cambridge dictionary uh, <laughs> is updating its definition of woman to the point of dictionary.com that it's a much in controversy To include anyone who identifies as a female, sure, following the lead of the NHL. And uh, this is important because tolerance of such identity, that's not enough. Nancy Pelosi provided um, great confirmation of what we on this show have long known to be true, that tolerance is a synonym for acceptance, is a synonym for celebration, according to the left. There are no distinctions. So don't speak in the parlance of of tolerance anymore. That's simply not good enough.
13: And I said tolerance has nothing to do with it. That is a condescending word to us when it comes to our community in
10: San
16: Francisco. This is about respect. Mm -hmm. This is about taking pride. About taking pride. And it's about time that we do so. At the
0: federal level. Mm -hmm. Bend the knee. That's what uh, peaceful pluralism is to Nancy Pelosi. You shall bend the knee. You shall uh, jump when I, uh, you shall say how high when I say jump. You shall celebrate what I tell you to celebrate as they were yesterday celebrating the codification of the redefinition of marriage into federal law.
2: And did you see who, they went live to Don Lemon? He and his fiance were there reacting to the ceremony.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Probably debating what a woman is. Uh, Kevin Stewart is an assistant professor of political science at the University of St. Thomas and founding member of Strong Families of Taylor, as in Taylor, Texas. Professor Stewart, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
8: Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So um, the Christmas parade in small town America, in the small town in which you reside, Taylor, Texas, what's happened?
8: Well, the Christmas parade was one of the things that actually attracted us to this town when we were looking to see where we would raise our three boys. And, um, it's always been a very unifying town gathering. The whole town turns out, um, it's the, it's decorated cars. It's the firefighters. It's floats from local churches. It's exactly what you would, what you would think of with this great tradition of Christmas parades. Uh, that is until last year when one of, the, uh, one of the floats was the local Taylor Pride organization, an LGBTQ organization. Um, and it wasn't so much that they had a float, um, but what was on the float, because it included two drag queens and another person dancing rather suggestively with no shirt. Um, and this is on streets lined with kids. It's not just for
0: libraries anymore. Uh, is what you're saying. They've, they're moving beyond the libraries they are taking it to the streets like uh, the Christmas parade and the uh, the pride parades that where you see such things like in places oh, like God. Chicago. We're it's, very familiar. Um, that's it's vulgar. That, it's just, it all just melds into uh, one big celebration. Anytime we're celebrating LGB, anytime we're celebrating anything it necessarily must include celebration of LGBTQ on their terms.
8: Right. Well, I mean, as you might imagine, some uh, parents objected to this, to the organizers of the parade. And it's important to say the organizers of the parade are a consortium of churches. So it's a private group that organizes the parade. And so this year, for this year's parade, they took steps to specify in the rules that you can't have any floats that contradict traditional Christian teachings or biblical values. And the pride organization took that to mean that their float Um, with a drag Santa would not be allowed. And so they complained to city officials. And this is where things get really interesting for me as a political scientist, because we're supposed to live in a country that values democratic participation. But what happened next was the opposite of that. Because the city workers, instead of letting the city's elected officials have a voice in this, instead of letting the people of Taylor have a voice in this, the city staff themselves took it upon themselves to create a new and second parade specifically for that one group that thought it would be excluded. And that's important to say they never actually applied for the parade this year, but they thought for sure they could not do what they did last year. And so the city staff, who have been elected by no one, created a whole new parade so that that group, could participate.
2: So is that and parade going to go after the first parade or how is it going to work?
0: It's going to be a parade That's fight. how it
8: worked. So they had the the traditional Christmas parade of lights yes. uh, first and then immediately following it was um, the city's more generic uh, holiday parade that had actually in the end only a few participants who were not city employees. It had city employees, fire and police um, and then it had the Taylor Pride group and then just just a a a one or two or three other uh participants
2: were the drag queens on there were they scantily clad and dancing
8: oh there was there were even more so there were three i think the most egregious example so that we can all tell what we're talking about here right is the drag queen whose name was sit on your face (sighs)
0: Mm
8: -hmm. so you Mm
0: -hmm. know
8: yeah um so
0: now just so we understand the issue the issue isn't, hey, uh, somebody else wants to have a parade, use the public domain, use the public streets. Well, that's all well and good. But as a private group, we get to use the public space on our terms, too, consistent with our freedoms. So it's not you can't have access to the public space. It's um, our access to the public space per what we want to do um, does not necessarily need to comment, uh, accommodate your access to the public space at that time and place. Um, that's the whole point of shared public space.
8: Right. I mean, there's a, there's a Taylor Pride event in June, um, as cities across the country have uh, a, as well, when that group um, goes through exactly the process you described. They get a permit. They go through all the same process to use the space, the public space, um, to demonstrate in the way that, that they prefer. And then, of course, all of us who are parents are duly warned Right. This is not a family-friendly environment. That's not a place for kids, and we keep our kids away at that time. But we should not have to keep our kids away from a Christmas parade.
0: Right. And the other uh, thing that you're raising, and you uh, talk about this in your piece in the journal, is this um, – and we saw this um, you know full displayed during the response to COVID that persists – the deference to expertise and to particularly bureaucratic expertise – And so what you have here is, uh, as you were mentioning, unelected city officials that have a particular philosophy, surprise, surprise, and they're taking it upon themselves to essentially legislate. They're usurping the authority of the elected officials and the elected officials stand idly by and we got a problem there.
8: That's right. So it's important for people who live in suburbs and small towns across the country to understand why this is happening, why they're being pulled left. And the reason is because working now, working in city administration is a profession, a profession that people move up in and where they're paid very well. I mean, I learned in this process, for example, um, even though I'm a political science professor, I was surprised to learn that the salary for our city manager is actually quite high. Um, The total package, the the Internet informed me, the total package is about $185,000 a year, which is very good compensation. It would make him one of the highest salary people in town. So these are great jobs um, and a profession that people move up in. But because the bigger the city, the more likely it is to be progressive. That means people are auditioning when they're working for your small town. They're auditioning not for the job that they currently have, but for the one that they want. And that and the one that they want is probably more in a city, more progressive than your own. And so um, they're going to be pulled by their profession in that direction. Now that can be managed as long as there's vigorous democratic accountability, right? Small D democratic accountability to the people of the town.
0: No, that's a that's a great point about the professionalization of of municipal management and what the implications are. It's a great point. So, what the elected officials? Where where are they?
8: What are they doing? Um, well, the the council was not consulted uh on this and so then somebody um, was fired of course well that that i think is it remains to be seen no one has been fired yet but the council is beginning to get involved in looking at how all of these decisions were made who made them why they did why they didn't consult the council all of these sorts of questions
2: well would you be okay with an lgbtq a plus float if they didn't have drag queens on it I mean, why the need to have I mean, drag queens on it? Because I thought this was about right. waving at Santa and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ.
8: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there. You know, I think there, there would have been uh, some perhaps low-level rumbling, but I don't think you'd have seen anything near the the controversy that we have um, if there had not been the sort of egregious display of sexuality that we saw last year and then again this year.
0: Well, just be lucky uh, you don't have a satellite campus of Francis Parker High School out of Chicago in Taylor, Texas. Mm. Yet it could, could get worse. Um, he is uh, Kevin Stewart, assistant professor of poli St. Thomas University, and uh, uh, Professor Stewart, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck with uh, the situation down there in Taylor, Texas.
8: Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank
2: you, and he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line.
1: Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn. and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. While uh, Sam bankman Freed was being arraigned in the Bahamas, Newly installed FTX CEO John Ray, who does clean up corporate bankruptcies, uh, most notably Enron. He was testifying before Congress on what he has found so far before a congressional committee. Uh, He says about seven billion dollars is missing. That's a problem. And uh, he explained
17: why. The, the FTX group is unusual in the sense that, you know, I've done probably a, a dozen large, you know, scale bankruptcies over my career, including Enron, of course. Uh, every one of those entities had some financial problem or another. Uh, they have some characteristics that are in common. Uh, this one is unusual, and it's unusual in the sense that literally, you know, there's no record-keeping whatsoever. It's in the absence of record-keeping Employees would communicate you know invoicing and expenses on on Slack, which is you know essentially a uh, you know a way of communicating right. for chat rooms. Uh, they use QuickBooks, a multibillion dollar company using QuickBooks 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 uh nothing against QuickBooks' very nice tool, just not for a multibillion dollar company. Uh, there's no independent board, right. We, we had one person really controlling this, uh, no independent board. That's highly unusual in a size company, this is. And it's made all more complex because we're not dealing with, you know, widgets or, you know, or something that's tangible. We're dealing with, with, with crypto. And, and the techno- technological issues are made worse when you're dealing with an asset uh, such as crypto.
0: What well, isn't complicated, though, as Ray testified Enron was high level executives trying to cloak transactions. This was just evidence. <laughs> good old fashioned embezzlement.
2: Yep. Not sophisticated operation. They're just taking money.
0: Taking client funds and using it for uh, using it personally, whether it was for seventy million dollars worth of campaign donations to the Democrat socialists or uh Bahamian real estate or whatever.
2: But Dan, I loved when Damian Williams, he's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, he came out and said it, that he was using his money to buy influence and public policy in Washington.
13: And all of this dirty money was used in service of Bankman frieds desire to buy bipartisan influence and impact the direction of public policy in Washington.
0: Yeah, that's not illegal. What is illegal and why he's also charged with FEC violations, campaign finance violations, is because... He was uh, making donations with uh, using other people as pass throughs, you know, putting their name on right. money that he was passing through to particular candidates. So, in addition to wire fraud and securities fraud and money laundering, and you've got the uh, campaign finance violations. Now, speaking of uh, Mr. Williams, why the feds chose to move on him now when he was scheduled to testify today before that same House Financial Services Committee that you. That John Ray testified before, why move on him now? This was a question that was raised by George Washington law Professor Jonathan Turley.
4: Well, this is the first time in my memory that prosecutors rather than a defense attorney stop someone from making self incriminating statements. Uh, this was a windfall opportunity for the prosecutors. He was willing to go forward with hours of rather hostile cross examination on every detail in the case. Why wouldn't you want that to happen? That's all admissible. He hadn't been arrested. Uh, and yet they decided to move this rather quickly. Uh, have him arrested just before he was going to take that step he's already done great harm to himself in Mm -hmm. my view as a criminal defense attorney uh, with his public statements but this was going to be absolutely overwhelming in terms of its benefits for the prosecutors if they let him go forward so it left a lot of us scratching our heads i mean why why would you do that Uh, you could just wait for a day uh, maybe they'll explain that. Uh, now, part of the motive may be that they wanted to show that they have enough evidence. They're not protecting him or delaying uh, hmm. uh, any uh, action against him because of his strong Democratic connections. That could well be true. But they really did him something of a favor here uh, by moving the schedule forward uh, because yeah. he may have just wrapped if he had been if testified, he could have wrapped up the case against himself.
0: Yeah, um or maybe there's something else. Uh I don't know, but it is very curious and there are some arguments to the effect of in his from leaked pages of the testimony he was going to offer to that house committee, he was going to blame everybody in the company but himself. Um well so what? Well how would that negatively impact the 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 government's case against him? What, the, like taint the jury pool maybe he was duped by these other ex, uh, executives oh. at ftx i don't think so i think it's more likely that the federal government isn't trying to protect sam bankman freed they're, they're trying, trying to, to protect democrats who same sam, sam bankman freed was underwriting
2: you yeah, like chewy garcia who's going to run for mayor he got 200k from him
0: that That's the question that should be put to these prosecutors, because remember, the Department of Justice hopelessly politicized. You're talking about U.S. attorney here for the Southern District of New York, spending a lot of their time going after Trump, Trump organization, anybody with the last name Trump. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm not going to give them a good government pass on this. I am going to view them with a John DeStyle because they've earned that. And I'd like to know an answer to, to Professor Turley's question because it's a good one. Why not let him testify and offer more incriminating statements in the public domain as he has in previous interviews on Good Morning America with the Wall Street Journal and so forth? I don't get it. By the way, one a humorous note I love and his arraignment in the Bahamas. And by the way, I know is this the headlines, he's fighting extradition. Well, he's going to lose that fight. Yeah. For, for, that's, that's a joke.
2: And he can't post bond.
0: Um. Is, he, uh, the, the argument for bail was what? Uh, his vegan diet and his ADD medication.
2: <laughs> well, and he should have thought about that before he committed the crime.
0: We were talking uh, to Jim Urio yesterday, and uh, we uh, came up with the Welcome Back Cotter test for investing. Yeah. If the person who wants to manage your money has a haircut like Juan Epstein and Welcome Back Cotter, don't give him your money. And it, yesterday, it was like <laughs> almost a Juan Epstein play, like, please excuse my son from jail, signed Sam Bankman-Fried's mom.
2: Well, his mom and dad are with him in the Bahamas.
0: For more on this, please be joined by Steve Moore, Wall Street Journal columnist and Govzilla author. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, guys. Quite a day with respect to Sam Bankman-Fried and and uh, the uh, FTX Bankman-Fried crypto politics on the Hill. What, what about that? I mean... Uh, uh, do you think it's fair, given his uh, the 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 check rating he was doing, legal and illegal, that
13: uh, well, look, I'm, we asked questions yeah,
0: about uh, about why they the federal government moved on him?
13: Well, I'm not a lawyer, but I think there's there's so many cross currents to this story. And I want to hit on two quick ones that you guys didn't mention. I think I think the most interesting thing about this story is, you know, uh, Sam Bankman Freed. I have a grudging admiration for this man. I mean, the way he duped these idiot investors, well, he would literally yeah. go into these meetings and say, I care about the climate. I care about oh. racial injustice. <laughs> oh, OK, here's five million dollars. Yeah, you're a great guy. I mean, this is what his I mean, the guy's brilliant. He he understood how idiotic and lunatic these leftists are that they somehow because he thinks like they do, and he, he mouthed all their, you, you know, uh, you know platitudes, that somehow he was somebody who was going to invest their money wisely. These people were that stupid. Uh, uh, Dan and Amy, they deserve to lose their money. I mean, my God, he was like, uh, who was the woman who, you know, just went to jail for the,
0: uh, for Elizabeth the uh,
13: drug? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I don't know how they did it, but people can be so stupid. And. And I, I just admire that he understood. He just basically duped these liberals out of their money.
2: Yeah, well, not all one. rich people are smart. But what's number two?
13: Yeah, the number two, is, and by the way, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that, uh, Dan. I'm going to go into these meetings and say, I care about the environment. Mm-hmm. I care about racial injustice. I care about <laughs> racial in- income inequality. Will you give me, you know, $5 million of your money? I mean, unbelievable. Second. When We need to have a campaign to force these Democratic organizations and these Democratic candidates to give this money back to the investors who – and many of them were just mom-and-pop investors who lost uh, you know, uh, their, their life savings because of this. And you get these Democrats who, do, who simply are refusing to give the money back. I find that to be reprehensible.
2: Well, how much did President Biden get? Do we even know?
13: (laughs) I don't know. Because it also was was tens of thousands. Yeah, tens of thousands. And uh, the the woman from California who uh, is always on the take, uh, who's uh, the head of- uh, You're going to have to be more specific. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, what's her name? Uh, She's been on that. Maxine, yes, thank you. It was, uh, I mean, she she's taken all this money. Oh, she, I know. She took money. She took money from Fannie Mae during the you know crash of the housing market. I mean, she just she lines up with these with these uh, donors. Uh, I, I think we just need to have a crusade to force them to. She gave huge amounts of money to the Democratic National Committee, uh, and so uh, that all. And, and if in, in some cases money was given to Republicans. They, too, should have to bring that, give that money back and they should be legally required to do so. Look, if I put a gun to your head and steal your money and then I give the money to a friend of mine, (laughs) that friend has to give the stolen money back.
0: Right. Yeah. No. Fair. Um, And you should
2: uh, hear Maxine Waters yesterday all indignant about this. This
4: committee will not stop.
2: Oh, yeah.
10: Until We're we uncover stop. the full truth behind the collapse
13: of FTX. Yeah. Isn't that great? Tireless. I
2: thought Tireless. of you, Stephen.
13: Oh, Are you that. making that up or is that no, true? No, that's true. No, that's I was home sick <laughs> yesterday. I watched the whole thing. I'm like, no, that, oh, that's right." That I have absolutely no shame whatsoever.
0: Uh, Maxine Waters also announced that she would be joining O.J. Simpson and looking for the real killers. And she's not going to stop until they're found. No. Uh, Stephen Moore, oh we got God. some uh, good inflationary news yesterday. Yeah. The the uh, the dragon of inflation has been slayed by Jerome Powell, and uh, we're right on schedule to get back to uh, low yeah, inflation right. by twenty. Yeah, I
13: love I love I love the spiking of the football <laughs> because we got mission accomplished all the way. All the way down to seven point one percent. Woohoo! It's only the highest inflation rate in thirty five years, but uh congratulations. I tip my hat to uh, Joe Biden. I didn't think he could do it. And by the way, they may even get that inflation rate down below seven percent. Wouldn't wow. that be an amazing feat? Of course it was one and a half percent when Trump left office. So uh you know, look, it was it is good news. Inflation is coming down. But, you know, we've had now since since Biden came into office, prices are up 15 percent across the board. So this is hardly
2: uh, a a, a
13: positive story for Biden. And it's caused real problem for people. You know, you look at I think I mentioned this last week on your show, but credit card debt is surging because people are trying to maintain their normal, you know, stopping list and living standards. And, And because they're keep falling behind in terms of the cost of things versus their wages, they have to go more into debt. And by the way, the worst way to go into debt is to ring up your credit card, right? Because right. what, is, what is the interest rate on an unpaid credit card? Like, you know, 20%. And so, uh, you know, we have we have real problems ahead for the U.S. economy, I, I, I think. And so to to be doing this kind of uh, victory lap is a little premature. But I know we're out of time. I got to mention one other quick thing, because I think it's been on my mind, and I just wrote a column on this, but I want your Listeners, to be aware of this. You know, there was a big story that was covered by CNN yesterday that the uh, that the vaccine, um, the the, uh, the vaccine for COVID, has saved three million lives. That's was yeah. the estimate. Now, I actually think that's a high estimate, but you know, even if they're off by fifty percent, let's say it's one and a half million lives saved. Um, you know, that's a great accomplishment. Now, here's the interesting. I read the whole story, and I read the entire study itself. Guess whose name was never mentioned in that? Dr. Fauci's. Donald Trump. <laughs> no, no, Donald J. Trump. Ah. They never mentioned Operation, Warp, Operation Speed? Warp Speed. Hmm. They never mentioned it. Now, you go back You go back uh, a year and a half or two years ago when, in Trump's last six months in office. The media laughed at Trump. Oh, my God, we can never have a vaccine in nine months. Hell, it's going to take, the New York Times said it's going to take three to five years to get a vaccine. Well, the, all the Democrats years. said
2: they wouldn't take the vaccine. Remember Kamala
13: Harris? They're, they're not taking, they're taking a Trump, Trump vaccine. They wouldn't take it. Now, now they're saying, oh, it saved three million lives, not mentioning the fact that if it had not been for Trump and Operation Warp Speed, which, by the way, Dan, you know this, was a, basically a deregulation program. It's like, get the government the hell yeah, out right. of the way and we right. can get this vaccine done. And they, don't you think they might have just said, hey, you know what? Trump was right. He was right about getting this vaccine out the door. Now, look, I'm not telling people they should take a vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But the truth is that initial those initial doses of vaccine did save a lot of lives. Thank you, Donald J. Trump. Since no one else will say it, and says I work for him. I will say it.
0: Stephen Moore, economist and author of <laughs> Govzilla. Steve, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
13: Okay, guys, have a great week. Take
0: care.
2: Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro Answer Line.
1: The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM five sixty. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM five sixty. The Answer.
0: Think about Chicago. Yeah. How about ce- it, huh?
2: What are we celebrating?
0: After a mere nine years and at a, a pittance of you know, eight hundred and fifty or eight hundred million bucks, I guess, is what they're claiming. I suspect they're oh. rounding down. I After know. a mere nine years and eight hundred million bucks, the Jane Byrne Interchange <laughs> is expected to be complete within the week.
2: Uh remember when it first started I said what's going to happen first? Um rapture, said, rapture. <laughs> the Jane Byrne interchange being completed.
0: It only it only came in yeah. at 2x the projected time for completion. Of course. It only came in with also by the way twice the time it took to build the Golden Gate Bridge in the 1930s and only 50% over budget. So, again, Illinois political ruling class, your trade union financiers. And they'll have a red, you
2: know, ribbon-cutting ceremony, too, I'm sure, with all the politicians touting, like, what the, look at this great job we did. And Pat Quinn, at the time, who was running for governor, was trying to get the women vote, so he named it the Jane Byrne intersection.
0: I tip my hat to the Illinois political ruling class, their trade union financiers, and— All of the dopes in the city and the state that made it possible. Wonderful, wonderful job.
2: Well, we'll see if it's effective too when it's done because I don't know how it's going to increase or increase the traffic flow. But
0: enough celebration, Chicago. There'll be plenty of time to celebrate and enjoy the Jane Byrne Interchange done right, done the Chicago way, at two x the time and fifty percent over budget.
2: And it really Wonderful. was a shorter time to build the Golden Gate Bridge?
0: Yeah, by by a factor of 2. Back absolutely. In the, 30s? in the 1930s when oh, the Golden yeah. Gate Bridge was oh, okay. built. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, boy, it's going to be a week of revelry when uh, that you know ribbon when is cut break. at the Jane Burn interchange. I I'm really looking forward to that. It is going to be a merry Christmas after all this year. <laughs> well, they
2: better clean up all the graffiti because it's Plagued the whole area.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to sports and politics.
4: Sports and politics, and sports and politics, and sports and politics, and intersection. intersection. Arrogance and ignorance, arrogance, ignorance, and arrogance and ignorance, intersection.
0: All right, in this installment of sports and politics, we've got uh, two uh, European football uh, stories for you. Because no, I, I mean, you it, love soccer. Well, I mean, and, and, and I guess. Uh, we got a we got a, a final matchup between Cambodia and Trinidad and Tobago or something. No, it's Morocco who the most and France. Is and in the, the world.
2: Morocco and France are playing each other, and then the winner of that game is going to play Argentina.
0: Uh huh. Right. I mean, whatever. First six, non-European six country to make it. Uh, Grant Wall is this soccer journalist who made a big splash when he arrived in Qatar because he was wearing some LGBT right. garb. And he was stopped by authorities and he he wouldn't take off his LGBT garb, and then they were going to award him a Nobel Prize or something. Uh, He collapsed and died while covering the World Cup in Qatar last week.
2: I know, and everybody thought he was poisoned.
0: Uh, Including his brother. Here's what Eric Wall, who is gay, he explains, um, believed there was foul play.
15: My name is Eric Wall. I live in Seattle,
7: Washington.
13: I am Grant Wall's brother. I'm gay. I'm the reason he wore the rainbow shirt to the World Cup. My brother was healthy. He told me he received death threats. I do not believe my brother just died. I believe he was killed. And I just beg for any help.
0: Yeah, look. I'm sorry his brother died, and I, you know you don't want to um, criticize the grieving, but oh. it's reckless to play politics with this, uh, and that recklessness has come back to make fools of people like Eric Wall, who suggested without any basis that this was the result of foul play or the result of a toxic climate against LGBTQ, which is, which is true in Qatar, and that's the choice, of, by the way, for the U.S. to participate. But, you know, it all plays into our domestic politics here, and that's how it was used by the left. And here do we find out after an autopsy, and this from his wife, by the way, uh, Grant Wall's wife, uh, that he suffered an a- aortic aneurysm. Uh, it's just one of those things that had been likely brewing for years, his wife, Celine Gounder, told the hosts of CBS Mornings, ruling out any suspect, suspected foul play in her yeah. husband's and, death.
2: And the sportscaster even wrote on his uh, one of his social media pages that he wasn't feeling well, he hasn't been feeling well in a while, um, but he decided to go to to cover the World Cup anyway. But people left that out of the story.
0: Yeah, he had bronchitis or something. Is that a contributing factor to the aortic aneurysm? I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor, but regardless, um, it's unfortunate that he passed away. I can understand the family grieving. I find it noxious that you wanted to force feed this into uh, the left's politics here because of uh, the virtue signaling he did when he was in Cutter. Without foundation, and that's what it was, including by his brother. Okay, well, that's one.
2: So if that's what the autopsy showed, then that's what it is.
0: Uh, number two, are, you mentioned Argentina. I, they yes. have a soccer team, and they're still playing in this thing? Yes, apparently. they made it
2: to the championship game, Dan. Uh-huh. We're waiting yeah. for the France-Morocco game.
0: Yeah, uh, b- bated breath. Um, so the Argentina shouldn't be allowed to play in the uh, final. Why? What do you mean, why? Haven't you heard?
2: No. Uh,
0: The Washington Post reported it, uh, Miss Jacobson. (laughs) What? Why doesn't Argentina have more black players? Oh, my God. Argentina is far more diverse than many people realize, but the myth that it is white, a white nation, has persisted. Why don't they have more black players in the World Cup? Doesn't Argentina, Washington Post, asking the question. Um, A perspective from Erica Denise Edwards, who's some... Race hustler at the University of Texas, El Paso, the Miners, uh, who wrote some book about, you know, race hustling and Argentina. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, as fans keep up with Argentina's success in this year's World Cup, a familiar question arises. I don't know where it's familiar, within her circle, maybe. Why does an Argentina's team have more black players? In stark contrast to other South American countries, such as Brazil, Argentina's soccer team pales in comparison in terms of its black representation. So do you think Argentina should be – I mean, I don't care who plays in this silly little event, but um, do you think Argentina, just on principle, even if you don't – if you agree with me that soccer's not a sport, should not be allowed to compete in the World Cup uh, ever again until they reach some level of black player per, uh, representation on their team that's acceptable to – Journalists who write for the Washington Post. I think
2: that's yeah. fair. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six. Type in da, then a quick comment. But mostly, you know, the population of Argentina ninety seven percent is Spanish and Italian.
0: So what? So more, more black players.
2: Non white groups make up about three percent of the country.
0: More black players.
2: No, you want to put the best players on the court or on the field? <laughs> excuse
0: me. The ridiculous. There's a move in the NHL now to have like a, oh. a a black owned team and uh more black players in the NHL. We talked about that. Maybe uh maybe a um uh you know like a Texas Western like a starting five that's all black. It doesn't matter if they can skate. And I'm not saying black athletes can't play hockey and can't play. It's just what people choose to play. I don't care. I don't care if I don't care if the NHL is 99% white or 99% black. I don't care. Um, same with the NBA, for that matter, or any other sport. I'm completely indifferent, even calisthenics, like soccer, completely indifferent. I'm just pointing out the folly of the identitarians who obsess about this. Yeah. In 2010, Argentina's government census noted that 149,000 people were black. You know, uh, they had 149,000 uh, black residents, black citizens of Argentina. That's less than 1% of the country. Uh-huh so uh, okay, so I, I what so what how many how many black players does Argentina need to have, so the Washington yes. post stops running these think pieces about the number of black players on argentina's uh, Argentina's soccer team uh-huh.
2: just yeah. trying to make noise, trying to draw attention to herself
0: yeah, why doesn't it? um yeah, somebody tweeted um. In response to the, I think, an Argentinian tweet in response to this. Pretty funny. Um, why doesn't Argentina have more black players in the World Cup? The response, because we're a country, not a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. We're a country, not a Benetton ad. So we uh, we have this team, and it's for the best soccer players. We have this team called the Chicago Bulls, and, and it's for the best, you know, uh, at least some of the best basketball players in the world as represented by the other teams, in the NBA as well. And, you know, that's, so whatever the composition is, is the best five players we thought we could put on the floor night after night for 82 games a year. That's, that's the thinking behind it. That's the sum total of it. That's not good enough. Okay. Well, that's fine. Then we'll just do something else with, with sports. We'll conceive of them differently. mm mm-hmm. You know, I just thought it'd be, it's interesting that, You would get uh, uh, this sort of, uh, you know, forcing through the racial prism that, you know, nothing is exempt. Not even this um, uh, pastime for the third world called soccer.
1: Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560. The answer. Looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion? There's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560. The answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. One of the values of Elon Musk's time at Twitter, at least so far, really has very little to do with Twitter. It's somewhat Trump-like in the way that he is exposing the censorious left for who they actually are. And hopefully presenting to the public a clear picture of just how far removed... The censorious left is from anything resembling First Amendment jurisprudence in this country. Anything resembling it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We uh, played this uh, yesterday and chatted about it a bit with Dan Henninger from the Journal, Wall Street Journal. This was uh, Karine Jean Pierre at a White House briefing earlier this week responding to the Musk tweet about Tony Fauci, which has been alternatively denounced by the left as both uh, LGBTQ a phobic because he invokes pronouns as well as dangerous to the well-being of Tony Fauci because he dares to suggest Tony Fauci should be prosecuted for his performance during COVID. Listen,
10: Uh, these attacks, these personal attacks uh, that we have been seeing are dangerous. Uh, uh, on Dr. Fauci and other public health professionals as well. Uh, are, they are disgusting and they are divorced from, uh, from reality. And uh, we will continue to call that out and be very clear uh, about that. Again, these are incredibly dangerous, these personal attacks that we are seeing. Uh, Dr. Fauci has served under seven Republican and Democratic presidents. We cannot forget that. Uh, he has given he has given uh, his almost entire career to civil to civil service uh, public ser- as a public servant uh, his work on infectious disease from hiv aids to covid has saved countless lives and uh, you know it's unfortunate that he has uh, you know we we are fortunate i should say that he has devoted his career Uh, And his life uh, and his exceptional talent to the America's uh, public health, to America's public health. And that's what should be uh, discussed right now. That's what we should be thankful uh, to him about. And again, these are incredibly dangerous and should be called out. I'll leave it there.
0: I I mean, the tweet, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci uh, merits a dangerous to the third power diatribe from the White House press secretary.
2: Don't you think he was being a little sarcastic?
0: Don't care. Who cares? What does that have to do with danger? What does that have to do? I mean, it, it, what what she offered there is what New York State has codified into law. That's where this goes. The uh, hate crime or hate speech law in New York that requires blogs like the one Eugene Volokh Runs, or like the one our friend uh, Professor William Jacobson runs, Legal Insurrection, to um, respond to comments or to to have a policy of responding to comments that, quote, vilify, humiliate or incite violence against a group, you know, the way that Karim Jean-Pierre defines it, which is boundless, based on, quote, race, color, religion, ethnicity, national origin, disability, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity or gender expression as defined by the state, as defined by the political left, as if the two are distinguishable. Eugene Volok joins us now. He is a UCLA law professor. He's also the founder of the Volok Conspiracy blog, and he penned this piece that we talked about earlier in the week in the journal about this New York state law and its implications for uh, bloggers like him and, uh, you know, a free people like we would like to be I think. Professor Volick, thanks for joining us. appreciate it.
18: Uh thanks for having me.
0: So, um have you gotten any response from the state officials to your argument that their uh, that this law that was passed is uh c- conscribing you to be uh to to violate uh, your first amendment rights?
18: Uh yes. In fact, yesterday, as per the deadline set by the court, we got a response from the New York Attorney General's office, uh, and uh, they are they're going full bore, uh, as, as is their job as lawyers uh, to uh, uh, to defend the statute. Um, they uh, so the law is titled "Social Media Networks: Hateful Conduct Prohibited," but to be fair, in the body of the law, it doesn't actually prohibit any. At hateful conduct, they mean certain viewpoints that they find that they believe are are, are improper. Uh, it uh, it doesn't actually prohibit them or order me as an operator of a blog or uh, Rumble as an operator of a social media network uh, to, uh, uh, to to block them. It does require us to have policies uh, and to publish policies on how we would deal with such hateful conduct. And we thought from reading it, it requires us to respond to people's uh, complaints, Uh, because it says that each social media network shall have a policy, uh, which includes how such social media network will respond uh, uh, to uh, reports of incidents of hateful conduct on their platform. Hateful conduct, again, just being certain what some people label hate speech. In the response, Um, uh, the New York Attorney General's office says, actually, we don't have to respond at all. Even though the statute says it has to explain how we will respond to such incidents, they say it's okay to have a policy that just says, we don't care about incidents of hateful conduct. So they describe this law, which is titled hateful conduct prohibited, as really doing almost nothing other than requiring us to have uh, to have a policy which could be just sort of an empty policy, or the, the policy—that's a step forward, at least.
0: Or the policy could be like, "I respond as I see fit." Like,
18: exactly. That's a policy, right? Exactly. And look. That's better than requiring us to have some sort of militant policy or requiring us to to actually send uh, complaint uh, responses uh, to complaints. Uh, It's hard for me to see how that's reconcilable with the text of the statute, but I think they're deliberately reading the statute super narrowly in order to to minimize uh, uh, problems. But they also clean.
0: Well, sorry to interrupt, but, but the problem, of course, is so they're being challenged. They know they don't have a constitutional leg to stand on. And so they're, you know, again, offering the interpretation you described. But you, you still have them moving down a path and they're going to move down that path, I would suspect, as quickly as they're allowed to. But that doesn't mean that just because they're now backing off a little bit in terms of their interpretation doesn't mean that their end game is any
13: different.
18: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And in fact, the the title of the law, which which is not the law itself, it's not the text. So I want to stress that. But the title of the law shows, I think, where they're going, where they want to go. They call the social media networks hateful conduct prohibited because that's what uh, the uh, the New York government would like to do. That was their plan. Perhaps they 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 didn't uh, delete it from the title when they were alerted that they couldn't that they weren't allowed to do it. But their goal is to do as much as they can uh, to uh, restrict viewpoints that they disapprove of. So, for example, vilify or humiliate it on the basis of religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Of course, many people think that uh, the claims that uh, transgender athletes shouldn't compete on women's uh, sports teams think uh, are humiliating based on gender identity. Or for that matter, sharp disapproval of particular religious beliefs uh, may be seen as vilifying or humiliating based on religion. Um, And uh, uh, those are all things that this law requires there to be a policy about. But you're right, I think their hope is to try to suppress those kinds of uh, uh, viewpoints as much as they can through both this law and its future follow-ups.
2: Well, who decides what hate speech is?
18: Well, here the the government uh, uh, defines hateful conduct to uh, include speech that vilifies, humiliates, incites violence against a group or class of persons on certain bases. So they say that under this law, I could have a policy that just says you know, I don't respond to anything, and then just complainants will decide what they think is hate speech. They send me an uh, an uh, email, let's say, and then I say I don't care. So their claim is the government isn't going to get involved in uh, uh, in enforcement here. Uh, however, um, it's still a viewpoint-based law that imposes a legal obligation, even if a relatively modest one for now on platforms precisely because the government is trying to suppress a viewpoint. Interestingly, the the New York Attorney General's papers defending the law uh, argue repeatedly that the law is content neutral, because again, we could have a policy that doesn't mention even hateful conduct, Uh, even though on its face, it singles out particular kinds of viewpoints as the sort of thing that the government is trying to at least deter, and that I'm required to have a policy about it. I'm not required to have a policy about speech that offends based on politics. I'm not required to have a policy on anti-police speech or anti-American speech. I am required to have a policy about these particular viewpoints that the government has defined.
0: Right. I mean, it's sort of like what we're seeing play out again in a case emanating from Colorado, the 303 creative case that's before the Supreme Court on religious liberty, which is sort of a follow-up to the... A case, uh, the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, where the Colorado Civil Rights Commission is essentially um, setting uh, what is required of private actors in terms of specific performance with with what they do, whether it's baking cakes or designing websites, and the idea is it's all under the rubric of non discrimination. But it's only particular kinds of alleged discrimination they're actually interested in. So it clearly is uh, in these Colorado cases, and the Supreme Court's already held so in the Jack Phillips case. I think they're going to do the same in the Three or Three creative case. It clearly is the government putting its finger on the scale for which viewpoints are acceptable and which viewpoints are not.
18: So I think that's right as to the New York law. As to the Colorado law, I uh, co-wrote a brief that opposes that application of the Colorado law. But I don't think the Colorado law is viewpoint-based. Uh, the Colorado law does uh, just ban discrimination based on race, religion, sexual orientation, and the like. Uh, um, it doesn't mention particular viewpoints as to speech. It just bans status. discrimination. Most of it's application says like, pardon?
0: It's status-based.
18: Well, right, but that's the same as, say, Title VII, the uh, Employment Discrimination Law from 1964. Mm -hmm. It's the same as the Equal Protection Clause has been understood, or the Voting Rights Amendments talk about you can't discriminate in voting based on race or based on sex or based on age uh, um, uh, or having paid a poll tax, uh, uh, but they don't ban discrimination based on other things, like where you reside, let's say, or whether you're a citizen. Uh, So you could have anti-discrimination laws that target conduct, the problem is, in this case, the Colorado law, that is, to say, in the Colorado case, the Colorado law is requiring artists to create speech or speakers to create speech, uh, and that's the problem. But in most of its applications, it isn't about speech and its viewpoint neutral. It's true it bans certain kinds of discrimination, but that's the nature of, uh, again, a wide range of equality laws, anti-discrimination laws in the country.
0: Well, right, but I mean, one wonders aloud what the Colorado civil rights uh, minders would say if uh, the Catholic Church said to a uh, a uh, um, an atheist or uh, to a gay graphic designer, um, you are violating uh, my religious liberty. You're violating my uh, my constitutional rights by not designing this website. The same way that an LBGT group is saying that uh, or about uh, the three or three creative.
18: Well, I would say that in that kind of situation, I think Colorado courts. Uh, uh, and probably the Commission, but certainly the courts, uh, would have an obligation to enforce the law uh, the same way they're doing with, with regard to the uh, with regard to the, the same-sex wedding site. I mean, it is pretty clear uh, that uh, the, that the law would require uh, people to film uh, religious ceremonies if for videographers or to create websites for uh, for uh, uh, for religions, and uh, you know the Catholic Church would just be entitled to sue itself under the law. Uh, um, it's not even a matter of prosecutorial discretion, generally speaking. So I think they would have that right. Uh, I would hope that they wouldn't exercise it, because I'd hope they'd appreciate that that's an improper intrusion on uh, people's individual conscience. Exactly but right. I, I, I have no reason to think that Colorado courts uh, uh, would somehow try to get rid of that case, uh, given that it's, that it's clearly covered by the law.
0: He is Professor Eugene Volok. He's the co-founder of the Volok Conspiracy blog, and he's a law professor at UCLA. Professor Volok, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
18: Uh, Very much. My pleasure. All the best.
2: Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
1: Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer.